0: JazzCast Pros. Dr. Rafael Pelayo said it best, your life is a reflection of how you sleep, and how you sleep is a reflection of your life. Hello, my sleep inquisitive friends. Welcome back to the Doze Podcast, the short and sweet of what you need to know to transform your sleep. I'm your host, Soda Kaczkowski, your trusted sleep coach and guide to help you optimize your day so that you can take back your night. Today, I want to shed some light on an issue that often goes unnoticed. It has a major impact on why we have such a sleep-deprived society. And I want to unpack somewhat of a paradoxical issue it presents. Why is it so hard to get professional help for sleep problems? If you're someone struggling with your sleep and find it difficult to get adequate professional help, you're not alone. Today, we're going to uncover some of the hidden barriers that contribute to the persistence and growth of sleep problems. The dirty little secret? your doctor doesn't sleep well either. And it's not just them, but most healthcare professionals, nurses, EMTs, the first responders, who we of course honor, value, and thank for their incredible sacrifices are often the most sleep deprived of us all due to their grueling schedules and high work demands. But while they're at the core of why we do not sleep well, I wanna emphasize that it's not their fault. The simple truth is that many healthcare providers do not know how to help with sleep issues because they are also affected by them and they haven't been trained adequately. The way they're taught is built on a model of prolonged sleep deprivation, lack of resources, and worst of all, a gap in knowledge of how important sleep is in the work they do and how they show up to serve in their roles. But as we dive deeper into this topic, Let's remember the challenges we face in seeking professional help for sleep issues are often systemic and not the fault of those who dedicate their lives to caring for our health. But it's time to bring these issues to the forefront and work together to find solutions that ensure everyone can have access to the support they need for a good night's sleep. So let's jump right into this issue and how it's created this ripple effect. First and foremost, the truth is that many healthcare professionals have little to no formal training in sleep medicine. It's surprising, but it's a fact. Sleep medicine is often a neglected area in medical education, which can leave even the most well-intentioned healthcare provider ill-equipped to handle sleep-related issues effectively. I have seen this up and close as I started my career with an academic-based sleep lab affiliated with a local university. The amount of training non-sleep medicine healthcare professionals receive is astonishingly low. On average, it's only about 3.25 hours— And in pediatrics, instruction time is even less, with a primary focus on safe sleep education, not sleep disorders. There's a survey conducted by the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine that revealed that medical schools in 12 countries, including the United States, offer less than 2.5 hours of formal instruction on sleep medicine during medical school. That means that sleep medicine is not a core educational requirement for many primary specialties, including internal medicine and family medicine. Even less when addressing sleep health, which is a bidirectional relationship to a number of chronic diseases. The training they do receive often perpetuates a culture of sleep deprivation, and it becomes a vicious cycle that's hard to break. They're taught to wear sleep deprivation like a badge of honor. This should raise a red flag because those are the formative years of their education and the consequences of sleep deprivation can have real-time impact on patient care and medical errors. I speak to healthcare professionals every day. Just recently, I had a conversation with a neurologist who shared her own struggles while working. She felt she was deceiving her patients when she herself felt so tired. Some days she couldn't even remember what day it was. You know, we rely on healthcare providers to guide us when we're struggling with sleeplessness, but in many cases, they just don't have the knowledge they need, which is shocking because nothing has more of an influence on our ability to function well than lack of sleep, which in long-term can lead to sleep deprivation. Our medical system overworks medical students and subjects them to long hours and expects them to perform at peak performance. It models the exact opposite of what we need to create healthier communities and to lend empathy to those who need a sympathetic ear the most. So why can't your doctor often help you other than offering a prescription, which, if we're being honest, can only provide a short-term solution to a more complex problem? The simple truth is they may not know any better. And the reality is that many are frequently battling their own sleep deprivation issues, and this can have a profound impact on their ability to truly empathize with, recognize, diagnose, and effectively treat sleep-related problems in their patients. Take our dedicated nurses, for instance. They're often expected to stay awake for extended periods of time and to endure the burden of sleep deprivation as if it were a badge of honor. This takes a toll on their health, robbing them of precious years and compromising their overall quality of life. It's a paradox, isn't it? We turn to these healthcare professionals for advice, yet they often find themselves far from the picture of health, especially when it comes to their own sleep. The combination of long working hours, irregular shifts, And high stress environments creates a perfect storm that can profoundly impact their own sleep health. It's a challenging issue that we need to acknowledge and address because the well-being of both healthcare professionals and their patients is at stake. Yet another concern is the reluctance within the healthcare field to embrace advancements in health practices. It's a challenge that impacts patient care on multiple levels. The reluctance to change is a twofold problem. First, while new research emerges every day, shedding light on how our bodies function and how we can heal, there often isn't enough emphasis on preventative medicine. We do have some remarkable functional medicine doctors who are passionately advocating for change and challenging the status quo, but unfortunately, the shift only comes after they face personal health struggles themselves. Their reluctance to adopt these new advancements is understandable in some ways because what we know is constantly evolving. There just isn't enough time for many to continue their education. It's impossible for anyone to keep up with it all especially with the demands the healthcare system puts on providers. Reimbursements are low, but premiums and the cost of prescriptions continue to rise. In many ways, the sad reality is the cost of care also prevents people from getting the care that they need. Additionally, contradictory research findings can cloud the issue. Research results are often based on scientific subsets of individuals and can't always be applied universally, yet sometimes get circulated as mainstream facts, creating confusion between fiction and fact. I mean, I get it. We understand that the only thing that's conclusive in research is that nothing is entirely conclusive. However, this shouldn't lead to dismissiveness within the medical community. There are always exceptions to the rule. Misinformation circulates because there's so much contradiction. But healthcare professionals shouldn't be dismissive of new information, which stops individuals from advocating for their own health or making them feel unheard or unseen. You know, I'm really lucky to have a provider that my family has gone to for years that is always open to new information. She really listens, and she never brushes off any concerns that I have. I wish I could say the same for specialists that I've seen in the past. You know, whether you're an authority or not in a field, it's okay not to have the answers. There's a Confucius quote that comes to mind. Real knowledge is to know the extent of one's ignorance. It's okay to look into an issue and to get back to a patient once you've had time to research it further or to consult with another provider. I know time is limited when you have office visits, But that is just an argument for creating better intake forms and a better process. And perhaps adding a sleep screening tool to all visits, it could be the missing link. You know, I'm going to say it. When you don't get proper sleep, it can trigger a cascade of health issues that might result in medication use, which can in turn lead to even more problems. Sleep has to be part of the conversation. Lastly, let's talk about how this lack of interconnected thinking gives rise to many misconceptions about sleep, especially who it affects and how. Over my 17 years in this field, I've witnessed the evolution of these misconceptions. Some stem from own practices or what used to be what we followed. In the early days, we often used screening tools like the stop bang. It even had a question focused on men only as a factor for sleep apnea. But the truth is, sleep disorders can affect anyone, from children to adults. There are also many disorders that are not as mainstream as insomnia, narcolepsy, or sleep apnea, Many can be a result of physiological factors like genetics and hormonal changes, but the majority can be correlated with psychological and environmental factors, too. It all boils down to how we live, eat, and move. First, your diet. The processed foods that we consume can lead to nutritional deficiencies that can impact sleep patterns and quality. Second, lifestyle factors. Things like air pollution, air quality, the products we use, even the materials used in our furniture and our clothing can affect our breathing and internal health. Exposure can be a risk factor for sleep disordered breathing. And last, our lack of self care, the mismanaging of our stress. Poor sleep affects mental health. It can heighten stress levels and make existing anxiety worse. It can exasperate symptoms of depression and contribute to mood disorders. How well we sleep just doesn't get the attention it deserves. Instead, there's a stigma attached to it. For instance, Women who express concerns about sleep or fatigue are often referred to get their thyroid checked or their symptoms may be attributed to motherhood or a busy schedule. However, women often face a unique set of challenges that are multi-component in nature, including behavioral, hormonal, and sleep disorders. The misconceptions that sleep disorders only affect middle-aged, overweight men finally needs to be shattered. They can affect anyone, and the way they present can differ between men and women. Women often endure sleep issues for longer before seeking help. This may be because some research actually indicates that we have a higher threshold for sleep deprivation, and that we also tend to need more sleep than men as we use more of our brains. (laughs) But you don't have to believe me, the link to the study is below. But back on task, we need to make a real change. There needs to be a cultural shift in how we view and prioritize our sleep. The sleep-is-for-the-week, weak. hustle harder mentality simply doesn't lead to a successful or a fulfilling life. Lack of sleep can cloud judgment, slow cognitive performance, delay reaction times, and impair memory after just one bad night of sleep. Prolonged sleep deprivation is even more alarming, with data showing that staying awake for 18 hours is equivalent to having a blood-alcohol content of 0.05. And being awake for 24 hours without sleep is equivalent to one of 0.10, and we know the legal limit for alcohol intoxication is 0.08. This means that drowsy driving can be just as dangerous, if not more dangerous, as driving under the influence. The difference is, is if you fall asleep behind the wheel, there is no reaction, because you are not just impaired, you are not awake. I knew a doctor years ago who fell asleep while driving home late one night from a rotation at a hospital. Thankfully, she was unharmed. But with over an estimated 100,000 crashes each year attributed to drowsy driving, it's an issue that should underscore the importance of prioritizing sleep in our daily lives. This includes bringing it to health and wellness management programs, in creating healthy workspaces, and including what is taught in our schools. Getting a good night's sleep is critical for overall well-being. However, for far too many people, it remains just a distant dream. As we have discussed, the healthcare system might not always provide you the support you require. So the question becomes, Soda, what can I do about it? How can you navigate it and find the right solutions? How do you know when it's time to hit reset on your sleep, whether on your own or whether it's time to seek out additional help? There are some common questions that can help guide you. First, how often do you have trouble falling asleep, especially if it takes you 40 minutes or longer? How often do you wake up at night? Is it once or several times? Have you been told that you hold your breath at night while snoring? Are you heavily reliant on caffeine to manage energy throughout the day? Do you sleep for extended periods of time but are always tired, even if you nap? Do you find yourself falling asleep during the day in meetings or as a passenger in a car? Do you feel tired and groggy despite getting enough sleep? And do you have any pre-existing health issues? The quality of your sleep can have a significant impact in improving the symptoms of existing health issues. These are just some baseline questions that can lead you down the right path which leads me to our tips and tools of the week. Number one, ask the right questions. That starts with what type of reset do you need? Not sure? Take our reset quiz. It's a starting point to help you get the answers you're looking for, like could your habits use a reboot or is there something medical that needs attention or evaluation? Find out what kind of help you may need and who is best suited to help you, which leads me to our second tip. Speak to the right people. The results of our quiz will provide you some insight into who can best help you. Do you need to consult with a sleep doctor or get a sleep study? Should you speak with a sleep psychologist whose focus are concerns pertaining more to chronic insomnia, nightmares, or other behavioral sleep problems? They are better suited to help you with these issues as social workers, counselors, and therapists do not receive formal training unless they pursue it are not trained to address them. Also, clinical psychologists engage in active patient care have received minimal formal sleep training. Their treatment recommendations are also often not aligned with evidence-based standards. This may result in a delay or absence of effective treatment. There is also an essential need to improve sleep competencies in these fields as well. My recurring theme, if you have a sleep problem, seek out a sleep specialist. While the number of providers can be limited in your area, telehealth has made it possible to seek assistance remotely. That being said, I've provided the link for the global directory for the Society of Behavioral Sleep Medicine below. Find a specialist who can help you with your particular concerns. Do you need a sleep dentist for issues pertaining to the airway or alternative therapies to traditional CPAP, continuous positive airway pressure? I know I have some CPAP dropouts out there. There are other options depending on the type and severity of your sleep apnea, but you should be using some form of therapy. In an upcoming episode, I will be discussing your options and providing you some links. Or perhaps you're wondering if a sleep coach could be the solution. Someone who can offer ongoing guidance and support to help you cultivate healthier sleep practices tailored to your unique lifestyle. After all, not everyone's home life is identical. The absence of support is often a reason many individuals feel overwhelmed and unsure about how to even start. There are some changes you can make to see immediate improvement, but if you struggle for years, there is no quick fix and it takes time to unravel and rebuild a framework that supports you in your goals. Sleep coaching is a growing and emerging field that has real value in supporting people and helping them sleep better. We are even starting to see many, including sleep technologists, move into this role, which is going to really fill that gap in terms of helping providers provide better patient care. And as you may have guessed by now, LPNs, RNs, nurses that assist in offices have inconsistent and limited training. To assist in the practice setting, they need additional education on sleep health education and sleep disorders. But that isn't to discourage you from going to see your primary care doctor regarding your sleep issues. But it's crucial that if you do go, that you speak up during your appointment. Don't minimize your symptoms. Express your concerns clearly. It's a good idea to even jot things down while you're experiencing them and bring those notes with you. Remember, you have to be your own advocate when it comes to your sleep. Your sleep is incredibly important, and sometimes you have to take the lead because no one's going to ask you how well you sleep. Stay informed, voice your concerns, and don't settle for subpar care. Advocacy starts with you. And for those of you who have been relying on sleeping pills for an extended period of time, I know you don't want to hear me say it, but it's time to consider a sleep study to evaluate your sleep and uncover any underlying issues that may exist. Don't let your sleep problems continue to negatively affect your overall health. There's no wait and see when it comes to sleep. It won't magically improve without action. If you find yourself off track, you must make changes to see improvements. Additionally, the guidelines for prescription sleep aids such as Ambien are meant for and labeled as short term use. If your doctor does recommend a sleep study, there are a few things you should be aware of. First, diagnostic sleep testing is meant to detect medical sleep disorders. Take our quiz to see if you should get one and if you would qualify based on insurance guidelines. A lot of practices still do not use or have outdated screening tools, and you could be denied if not enough information is provided. Second, know that it can be expensive more so in a hospital setting as it's considered inpatient care. If you do go down that path of wanting a sleep study, I would recommend an independent testing facility. You can go online to your insurance provider to look up those in your network and for pricing information. Under the episode today, I have listed the CBT codes and names of the study to enter that are standard for submitting to insurance companies for payment. And if they do also offer home sleep testing, because in-lab testing can be very cumbersome and uncomfortable, ask about out-of-pocket costs. Often your deductible might actually be higher than just paying for it out of pocket. Home sleep testing can also be a great option as it can be done in the comfort of your home and under normal sleep conditions. Lastly, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we just added sleep testing. Go to the to learn more. It's a multi-night option, which is one of the limitations of a traditional sleep study. In lab, you're given a score on a scale of mild, moderate, severe and pushed out to a gold standard treatment, CPAP. And then told to change lifestyle habits or lose weight without real guidance as to how to improve your sleep quality, because sleep labs often do not focus on sleep health, just specific sleep disorders. Getting diagnosed and on CPAP therapy alone will not do that, which is why we have lots of CPAP dropouts, again, in upcoming Doze podcast. Lastly, if you're struggling, I want to repeat, you're not alone. We have a Facebook support group. It's completely free. It's a space where we offer additional perspectives and resources about how to sleep better it's a non judgmental forum to discuss your challenges with sleep with people who have walked the path before you, but also has the oversight of a qualified sleep professional to steer you in the direction of the best tools and tips for your unique situation, not just the next supplement or product to buy. Remember, the best ways to improve our sleep all come from nature and they are free. <laughs> I hope that you have found value in our time together today and that I've provided you with some useful insight into how to be your own best sleep advocate. I believe it's time we break the silence and stigmas around sleep and healthcare and make getting help more accessible. Everyone deserves a good night's sleep, even your doctor. Until next time, thank you for listening. I'm back every Wednesday with a new episode, ready to share my knowledge and empower you to take control of your sleep. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe to the Doze podcast. I still have lots to share with you as we work together towards creating solutions around your unique sleep challenges and needs. Until then, remember, you are pure potential if you change how well you sleep.